Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Usually at the end of the service, I give the invitation for salvation, but I feel for some reason to um, to give it now. And I want to just tell you if I have this in my notes, I just want to tell you a story real quick. Bear with me. Sorry, this is live TV, so this is how it is sometimes. But um, listen to this little. This little story about heaven. A man said I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights of its decor. But it was all the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. (laughs) Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How did all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everybody so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Child, Jesus said they're all in shock because they never thought they'd be seeing you. (laughs) They never thought they'd be seeing you. How true is that, that we're sometimes thinking, oh, that person's not going to make it to heaven. And that's not that person's not going. And that'll be a shock. That'll be a cold day in hell if that person makes it to heaven. And then and then really it's a shock that you made it. Really, folks, it's by the grace of God, only by the grace of God that any of us can be saved. It's not oh, that person's bad. So they're not that person did this wrong and that person did that wrong. At what point are we so bad? Are we too bad for heaven? At what point are we good enough for heaven? At what point are we so bad to deserve hell? Well, I got news for you. No one deserves hell. But because Adam sinned, we all became sinners and nobody deserves heaven. But because Jesus died for our sin, everybody can be saved and everybody can go there. And so it's not about what we deserve. That person deserves hell. That person deserves heaven. It's not about what we deserve. It's that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Don't be shocked when you see your neighbor in heaven one day. I can't believe that guy made it. I did more than him. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm preaching because I'm so happy I'm going to heaven. I'm doing what I do because I'm so thankful that I am going to be there by his grace. And I want to introduce as many people to the real Jesus as I can before I die. So I want to take this moment now. Yes, before the preaching. And if you have to go somewhere after this, I understand if you miss the message. But where do you have to go? There's nowhere really to go. Let's give ourselves to this moment. But call somebody who needs salvation because I'm about to pray for them. Text somebody that you love, that you care about because I'm about to touch their heart. God's going to touch them through me. No one has to go to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. 
God sent Jesus so that we would simply realize we're all sinning. We're all we've all sinned and our sin separates us from God. So that's where hell is. The ultimate separation from God is where the most misery is. Yes, there's fire. Yes, there's a real place of torment. But the biggest torment, the greatest torment of hell is that we're separated from God. The greatest blessing of heaven is not the mansion he's made for you. The greatest blessing of heaven is him. I want you to have him. Do you know him? Do you have him in your life? Pray right now with me. If you haven't pray this for the first time, if you already have received Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord, pray with those that might be praying for the first time somewhere on, on this planet, somewhere in our community, somewhere where there where there is fear. Pray this right now, Heavenly Father, just say that Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my savior and Lord. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. From this moment forward. I am forgiven. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all my sins. And I am now a child of God. If you prayed that prayer, you just created a party in heaven. The Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice when one person is saved, one person. And you are that one person. All of heaven is throwing a party just for you. Congratulations. I have a gift for you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I have a little book. It's called The Power of a New Life, and I want to send it to you as my gift to you. If you let us know your address, we'll get this to you. Let us know online. Let us know through social media or email. Go to our website, open up another page, go to our website, find our address can uh, or find our email address. You can or you can call us. We'll send this to you. And uh, it's a Bible study. It's the next steps to have a firm foundation in your life as a new believer. What are the next steps? What next? That's what this is all about. And it's my gift to you. You open up, you read the scripture and then you write in the answer because it's all fill in the blank and the answers are all there. So this will really help you and really encourage you on your journey because no one is alone on this journey. And if there's anything we've realized is we're not made for social distancing, are we? But we're doing that to protect other people. But we're made for connection. And everybody belongs connected to a church family. The Bible says when you're planted in God's house, that's when you flourish. And so I want to make one more appeal to you. Every one of us, I want to ask you to commit yourself to each Sunday and Wednesday. Just spend an hour and 15 minutes with us each service, each Sunday, each Wednesday. And let's grow together. Let's stay connected. Let's grow closer. We're better together. We're bringing life changers to you, but we're better together. I'm glad I'm not talking just to empty chairs. I'm talking to real people in their chairs, in their home, in their kitchen, in their bed, wherever you're watching. And I'm honored to be able to be a part of your life. And I'm honored to be used in this in this hour of our world that God knew that you would be here and God knew that I would be here. And God knew that we would need each other. And God knew that this day would come and that we would have the technology to still be able to connect. What a blessing. What a miracle. What a God. 
He's always ahead of us to bring us to him. He's always ahead of us to come and get us. He's always going forward and going ahead of us so he can come back and get us. He's already in heaven now, but he's going to come back and take us home. But while we're here, we don't have to live in fear another day of our lives. And I'm attacking fear. And my assignment in this earth is to attack fear, to obliterate it, to banish it from your life, to banish it from our church family, to banish it from our families, to uh, to 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 de- deal a death blow to fear and the 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 kids that are associated, the children of fear, anxiety and panic, depression and worry, panic, all these things, lack all these things. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not lack. He said, the young lions do seek and suffer hunger. Yet those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. You know, there's nothing to fear when you know that God is here, when you know that God will provide, when you know that God is with you. And we'll talk about that. But I want to attack fear. So can I share with you a scripture from the word of God? I know it's like, okay, what's next? Do we are we going to sit? You're already seated. Am I going to sit? No, I'm always standing anyway. So what are we going to do? We're going to open up our Bibles to first John, chapter four, verse 16. And I want to read to you from the King James Bible in this case. But all the versions of this passage are beautiful and amazing. But I love this passage of scripture, particularly because God spoke to me about the word in one of these verses, the word torment. And I said, Lord, why does fear torment? And he gave me like uh, six or seven things that I wrote down that are the reasons why fear has torment. Fear torments people because of the things that I'm going to share with you in a few moments. But let me just read this passage passage of scripture to you in first John four sixteen, And it says, and we have known and believed. And I hope you're looking at it in your Bible or looking at it on the screen. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, the love that God has to us. Now, this is the point of love here, the object of love. You are the object of love. It's God's love that is the subject and you are the object of his love. It's not our love. Our love is broken. Our love for one another is not perfect love. But God's love for us is the love that he's talking about here. He says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Were you really wondering, were you really uncertain what I was going to be talking about today? Or did you know it was going to boil down to love? He said, God is love, because if God's in the place, then love is in the place. If God is in your life, then love is in your life. If we're going to talk about God, we're talking about love because God is love. We have to understand the Bible says now abide these three, right? Faith, hope and love in first Corinthians 13. Let's stay here in first John. But I just want to remind you in first Corinthians 13, he says now abide faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I used to say, oh, the reason the greatest of these is love is and it's true. This is true. But then God showed me something else about it. Why is love the greatest? He said, abide these three faith, hope and love. But the greatest the greatest of these is love. And we don't even think about it because we we know naturally, of course, love is the most important, it would seem. But why? 
Well, here's the answer. The first reason why love is the greatest, he says, abide faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. The reason why love is the greatest is because God is love. God isn't hope and isn't faith. He has he has hope and he gives hope. He has faith and he gives faith. But he is love. He is love. Love is a person. God is love. And he proved his love with a person by sending Jesus. He proved his love with a person. He didn't prove his love with words only. He proved his love with a person. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The son he gave is love. The act of giving is love. The one he gave is love. The thing he did was love. The reason he did it is love. And what he wanted to bring you into was love. It's all about God's love. God is love. Do you think we're going to get to heaven and be judged? No. The Bible says it's the lamb upon the throne in Revelation. It's the lamb upon the throne, not the judge upon the throne. It's the lamb upon the throne. The judge is the 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 the, the judgment that will come to people. Are, is the judgment that of rejecting Jesus, rejecting the lamb, the lamb was sacrificed, the blood of the lamb was shed for your sins and mine. Everybody's sinned and fallen short. So the, the lamb, the lamb shed his blood. But it's the lamb upon the throne. It's love upon the throne. The lamb of God is the love of God. God is love. And he. Boy, we could just pause and talk about that the rest of the day, couldn't we? And, you know, throughout the Bible, there's this word in there that I think we skip over so often. It's the word beloved. Beloved, there's so many places where God calls us his beloved or his beloved, his beloved. He said, this is my beloved. You are my beloved son. We've you know. We've traded the voice of heaven. This is my beloved son. For the voice of a reverend in a funeral, dearly beloved, we are gathered here to this man and has died and is how many know that we've, we the, we, when we hear the word beloved, we think of a funeral, dearly beloved. And it wasn't meant for a funeral. It was meant for everybody. You are God's beloved. You are his beloved. God said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. God said that to Jesus before he ever did a miracle, before he ever preached a sermon, before he ever died for our sins, before he ever fed the multitude, before he ever raised the dead, before he ever cleansed the lepers, before he ever cast out demons. Before he did the works of God. He received the love of God and God was affirming his love when he said, you are my beloved son, my in the New Living Translation in Mark 111, you are my dearly loved son. You are my dearly loved son. Dearly loved, you are God's dearly loved son or daughter, because we're going to find out in this next verse as he is. So are we in this world? But let me finish this verse 24. And we have come and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Verse 17. 
Look at what he says. And as we live in God, look, first John, verse 17, King James version. And we'll just keep we'll just keep reading this first John, chapter four, verse 17. Thank you. I can find it here, too. We're live. First John four, verse 17. Sorry, guys. Could you put the new King or the King James Bible version up, please? I know I have it. Here we go. Hearing is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I want you to see this herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I want you to see that. And I hope that our team can get this uh, on the screen. They're working on it. But I want you to see in verse 17 herein is our love made perfect. How is our love made perfect? Our love is made perfect by perfect love because God is love. Our love is made perfect by believing the love that God has for us, which gives us boldness in the day of judgment. He says now the day of judgment, I want to talk to you about that for a moment. The day of judgment, the day of judgment is not the day we die and go to heaven. The day of judgment is the day that you feel judged. It's the day when you feel condemned. It's the day of judgment or the day of condemnation. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So God's love is designed to give us boldness in the day of judgment, because it says as he is, so are we in this world. So he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. See, here's what we have to understand is that because of our sin, we because of Adam's sin, we all became sinners. But because of Jesus, we can all become righteous by believing in Jesus. And that makes us right with God and it gives us rights with God. We have we are right with God and we have rights that God has given us rights from God. We're right with God and we have rights from God. And one of our rights is to have boldness against judgment. When the devil condemns us about our past, we can have boldness and say, I'm the righteousness of God. When sickness tries to judge us and say, you deserve to die, you deserve to be the next person with this virus. We get to say, I can have boldness in the day of judgment and no weapon, no weapon formed against me can prosper because God's love, God's perfect love for me. You see, God, if God's love was imperfect, then your flaws would disqualify you from having boldness. If God's love was not perfect, then your mistakes would disqualify you from having boldness. Your sins would disqualify you from having faith. Your mistakes would disqualify you from being able to stand right with God and have rights from God. But because God's love for you is perfect, he has made you into something. You're no longer the sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You've been saved by grace. But now you are the righteousness of God. And now Jesus became sin for you. You now are the righteousness of God, which is not a religious term because it has meaning. And it means this, as I said already, I'm going to say it again. It means to be right with God, to have to to be right with God and to have rights from God, the right to speak to sickness 
and command healing to flow, the right to speak to the mountain and command the mountain to be moved, the right to prophesy to the dry bones and command life in those dry bones. We have those rights. We have the right to get up when we've fallen. We have the right to pray with authority. We have the right to receive our blessing. We have the right to plant a seed and get a harvest and an abundant harvest at that. We have the right to be fearless in a world full of fear. We have the right to be protected from judgment and protected from calamity and protected from disease. We have the right to say no evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my tent. This is your blood bought right as a child of God, you have the rights of God and from God to stand before him holy and blameless as if sin never existed. And you get to stand in front of the devil and speak with authority to the darkness of this world. And it is under your feet. It is under your authority. Jesus said, behold, I give you power and authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. We got to wake up, sons and daughters of God. We got to get up and take our place as sons and daughters of God and realize we can have boldness like this verse says in First John 4, 17 in the day of judgment. This is not the judgment at the at the Bema seat of God. This is the day of judgment, everyday life that tries to condemn you and beat you up for your mistakes. And God says, I'm going to build you up. I'm not going to beat you up. This is the day of judgment when the devil is accusing you and saying you're you failed. You blew it. You messed up. You fell again. You might as well stay down now that you got knocked down. You might as well stay down and no, you say, no, I'm the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up. That's the day of judgment. Every time the devil tries to condemn you, you have the right to shut his mouth, to silence the accuser, to tell the accuser I bind you, devil, get behind me devil. Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Boy, if Christians don't learn this in this season, if there's ever been a time for us to sit our butts down and learn about our authority and our rights as sons and daughters of God, it is now. And I'm saying to you, sons and daughters of God, rise up in your authority and live in boldness because God loves you perfectly. There is no flaw in his love. There's no opening in his love. There's no breaking of his love. His love is unbreakable. His love is unstoppable. His love is unfathomable. It's perfect love. It's perfect love. Herein, verse 17 says, look at this again. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness whenever we're feeling condemned is the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. He made us little hymns. (laughs) Amen. He made us little hymns. We're just like him. You know, it's like the the preacher that said, we're going to have a building fund offering and whoever gives the biggest building fund offering gets to pick the hymns in this for the songs, whoever whoever gives the biggest gift. And so this little old lady stood stood up in the back and she said, I'm going to give ten thousand dollars. Nobody else gave more. She said, I'm going to give ten thousand dollars. And the pastor said, OK, then you get to pick the hymns. And she looked over the congregation. She said, I'll take him and him and him. <laughs> I got to laugh myself because nobody's here to laugh. All right. So look, as he is, so are we in this world. And then notice what he says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. What love is he talking about here? What's perfect love? Perfect love is God's love. 
God is love. Perfect love is Jesus on the cross. Perfect love is Jesus paying for our sins. That's perfect love. And it casts out fear because fear has torment. Fear torments us about our past. Fear torments us about our mistakes. Fear torments us about what our lack fear torments us that we're not going to ever get out of this problem. We're not going to get out of this disease. This is never going to change. It's going to change because we're casting out fear with perfect love. And I'm here to tell you, God's love for you is perfect. Your love, my love, my love for you. It's not perfect. It's it's there. I don't for everybody that I know, I love you the best way I can. But my love for you isn't perfect. Your love for me isn't perfect. You might like me. You might like something about me. I might like you. I might like something about you. I might love something about you. You might love something about. But listen, God's perfect love is he loves you completely. He loves us. He doesn't wash us so that he can love us. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus blood to wash us of our sins. He says he that fears is not made perfect in love. So he's now he gives us a clue here. He that fears. So if anybody is fear, if anybody is in fear, it's because they have not made perfect in love. They are not made perfect, which means they don't know that they've been made perfect. If you're not born again, then you got to be born again. But once you're born again, you're made perfect in love. You're made perfect. When you're born again, you're made perfect by love. You're made perfect in love. God's in love with you and he has made you holy. He doesn't see you sinful. He sees you holy when you're born. again. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. And then look at what verse 19 says to show you what it means to have perfect love. We love him because he first loved us. Now we are capable of loving him because he first loved us. Perfect love is that he loves us and the chain supply The supply chain of love goes like this because we're talking about supply chains in the economy is talking about supply chains. Well, the supply chain of love is God loves you. Then you love you because you can't love others until you love you and you can't love you until you love God. So the chain, the supply chain is God loves you. Then you love you. And then you love others as yourself. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, then there must be something right about loving yourself, not in a self-centered, self-absorbed way, but in a way that says, wow, I love myself because God loves me. I love myself whether I'm skinny. I love myself whether I'm not. I love myself whether I'm tall. I love myself whether I'm short. I love myself when I'm black, when I'm white, when I'm light skinned, dark skinned, Asian, Middle Eastern, whatever, Hispanic. I love me some me because God loves me some me and I love you because I love myself. I can't give what I don't have, you see, and we can't have what we can't manufacture. Love God gives us his love. We love him because he first loved us. See, this now is perfect love. God's love for us. It perfects us. That's why it's perfect love, because it accepts us perfectly and makes us perfect. God's love accepts us perfectly, makes us perfect. Fear torments you and tortures you and punishes you. And there are several things that fear um, 
There's several several reasons. So I said, Lord, why does fear torment people? And he said, number one, because fear paralyzes them when they're stuck. I don't want my people stuck. I remember God spoke this to me. I wrote it down. Fear paralyzes my people. I don't want my people stuck. Fear makes you stop fear. You see, we got to get unstuck. You know what we need to do right now is we need to get unstuck. People feel stuck. They feel like they can't do much at home. Maybe you're a part of an essential. But like, in my opinion, all business is essential business because it employs people. But I get it. I understand the government's stuff and all that, whether we agree with everything or not, we're going to believe God and faith and wisdom. Right. But my point is, is um, my point is, is you feel stuck. Do something for somebody. Just take one step. You don't have to run the marathon. Just take one step. One step might be calling somebody that's alone, calling a single mother, maybe dropping some groceries off for somebody that lives by themselves or somebody that, you know, has kids, a single mother has kids or a, a family that might might be a father and a mother and they're they're struggling and maybe drop something off for them, maybe give them a a, a, a gift card to Target or wherever they can go to get groceries and to get some things for their children. Listen, just love delivers us from being stuck. Fear makes us stuck, but love liberates us. Be liberal today in your generosity. Be generous with your church. Be generous with your family. Be generous with a neighbor, even though we got to keep our distance. Right. That's going to end at some point soon. Now we understand that. But I hope by then we've reset our priorities and we've realized that people are our priority, not things. Amen. So fear paralyzes, but love gets you unstuck. Fear fools us into comparing ourselves with others. Listen, we won't be happy when we compare ourselves to others, because the best you can be. Is. Second best at being somebody else, that's the best you can be. If you're comparing yourself to somebody else, the best you can be. Is second. Best at being them because they're already them, they're the best at being them. You just need to be the best at being you. You know, you, you need to know something. You're special. You don't have to compare yourself. It doesn't matter how how much money you have. What's happening in this world today is the great equalizer of all people, isn't it? We're really all equal now, and that's how it should be before God. I don't mean that everybody's going to make the same amount of money. That's different based on your gifts and your skill. We understand that. But the fact is, is that everybody is valuable and everybody's important. And we're doing something that our society has never done. Stop everything to save the few. Stop everything to save the few. This is un unparalleled time that we're literally showing love for those few that are most susceptible to this virus. We're stopping everything for the few that that really is generous. And thank you for those that are honoring everybody who's honoring this this state at home and essential stuff. All the things we're doing is to protect people because it's all about people at the end of the day. You see what I'm saying? But doesn't mean we don't believe for healing. It just means that we realize the most valuable thing is people and you are valuable. You matter. 
You say, well, what does it matter? That person with a weak immune system, that person in a convalescent home, that person in a nursing home, that person who's you know, already dying anyway. Well, it means something because they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they need to matter to us because you matter to God, because if they don't matter to God, then you don't matter. If they don't matter, I don't matter. Everybody matters. And you got to believe in that about yourself. You got to believe that you're important. You got to believe you're on this earth for a reason. Fear tells you you're not like everybody else. But love tells you you're special. Love tells you you're important. Love tells you you matter. I like what Rocket says in, you know, Avengers when he, uh, you know, the little raccoon. Right. And he says, ain't nobody like me, except me. Ain't nothing like me, except me. In other words, he knew this little creature. He knew that he was important. He knew that he could contribute to saving the world. And even as 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 silly as that might be in a little movie, but movies are life. And we're some of us are like that little rocky raccoon where, you know, we're forgotten. We're little. We're nothing. We seem like we're nothing. We seem like we're you know, we're not much. But but ain't ain't nothing like me, except me. Ain't nothing like you, except you. You understand that there ain't nothing like you except you. And you need to believe that about yourself. All right. Fear torments you by getting you to compare yourself. Love frees you by getting you to realize how special you are to God. Amen. Number three, fear makes us think we can never change. Perhaps you feared that you'll always be the same. You'll never overcome. You'll never beat this. You'll never conquer this. But I like what God says through Paul in Philippians 1, 6, when he says, be confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. God's still working on you. Don't give up on yourself. I can't change. Yes, you can. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. God has given us all an opportunity to reset, to reprioritize, to relaunch our lives with love, with kindness, with faith, not fear, faith, not fear, love, not fear. Torment, fear torments you by saying you'll never change. God says, I'll do I'll change you. Put your hands in my put your life in my hands and I'll mold you. You be the clay, I'll be the potter, God says. So don't worry about it. Trust God. That's what brings ultimate change, positive change in your life. The changes that you need. Um, Fear makes us afraid that we'll never have what we want. We'll never get what we want. Well, I got news for you. Psalm 37, verse four says, you know, fear torments you because it says you'll never get you'll never get what you want. You'll never get the answer to your prayer. You'll never get this. You'll never get that. But the Bible says that God delights yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. People have said to me, well, does that mean that he'll give you the desire? He'll give you what you desire or he'll give you the desire? Yes, it means both. He'll give you what you desire and he'll give you the desire to desire. He'll give you the right desires and he'll give you what you desire. It's both. It's not either or it's both. It's like people used to ask me, do you baptize people in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit? Do you baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ? Yes, I baptize them. I use all the names. I just want to make sure they're covered. I put them under the water. I say in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, in the name of the Alpha and the Omega, in the name of the beginning and the end, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord and Counselor, Lord of Lords. By the time I finish with that, they're already dying, going to heaven. They don't even need to be baptized. 
I've drowned them, right? No, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, it's all like, which promise is, is this promise going to work? Does God say yes to this promise, but no to that promise? Does God say yes to this promise? Does God say yes to this promise? Does God say yes? Is it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Is it God's grace is sufficient for me? Is it um, my, my God will supply all my needs? Yes, it's all of those. All the promises of God are yes. Yes and amen. Fear torments you and it tells you you're not going to get what you desire. But God sets you free and says, I'll give you the desires. I'll give you the desires. Fear attracts failure to your life. That's why it torments you. Job said, what I have feared has come upon me. Hey, we don't have to live in this fear, gang. We don't have to live in this fear anymore. We can walk in faith. Love sets us free. Love attracts good. Fear attracts failure. Faith attracts victory. Faith attracts power. Walk by faith, not by sight. Um, What we fear does come upon us. So let's stop being afraid because love casts out fear. God's love for us. It's God's love for you that casts out fear. And fear torments us because it gets us to question God's word. What tormented Eve was she doubted God's word. The devil got her to question God's word, and that's when she failed. God's promises have never failed. Not one promise that he made has failed. And as I'm closing right now, I want you to know something. I want you to know that God's promises for you will never fail, that the reason why God will keep his promise to you is because he loves you. You know, when we love somebody, when people get married, they come to the altar and they make some promises. But when God marries you, he's the only one that makes the promises. He doesn't need you to promise him. He wants you to accept his promise. We love him because he first loved us. You see, our love. Should be a reflex of his love. Our promises should never be an effort to get God to love us or to get God to favor us. Our promises should be a reflex to his promises. In fact, our lives shouldn't be built upon the promises we make to God. It should be built upon the promises that he makes to us. And as I close today, you say, what is perfect love exactly? Well, if I if I had to think about it and say it in three sentences, I would say, number one. Perfect love is when God says, I will never break my promise to you. And you know that that's exactly what he says in Second Corinthians 120 that all of his promises are yes and amen. Perfect love says perfect love is God saying to you, I will never break my promise. Not one promise from God has failed and not one promise from God will ever fail. Not one prophecy in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, not one prophecy has failed. Every prophecy has come to pass. The only prophecies that remain in the Bible that haven't come to pass yet are those that have to do with the second coming of Jesus. And if he fulfilled his prophecy about his first coming, he guarantees he'll fulfill his prophecy about his second coming. Every promise from God can be relied upon. We live by the promises of God. Let's stop dying by the promises that we make to to others or ourselves. Let's live by the promises that he makes to us. That's what perfect love is. Because Jesus died, 
God says, I'm going to keep every one of my promises to you because I swore in blood. Love says God's love says I will never break my promise to you. That's God's promise. Secondly, God says, I will never remember your sins ever again. Now, that's what I call perspective. So there's 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 God's power, right? There's God's perspective. There's excuse me, there's God's promise. I'll never break my promise to you. There's God's perspective. I'll never remember your sins ever again. Hebrews 8, 12 says, I will remember their sins no more. Psalm 103 says he's removed our transgressions from us as far as east is from west. Micah says he's buried our sins in the depths of the sea and he will never bring up your past. You see, we have to have the right perspective in these days. We have to see things from God's point of view. God doesn't see you as a failure. God doesn't see you as a sinner. God doesn't see you as somebody who just always screwing up. God sees you through the through the eyes of his blood. And he wants you to see from that perspective, he wants you to see yourself for who you are in Christ. So perfect love says I'll never break my promise. That's promise. Perfect love says I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's perspective. And perfect love, excuse me, perfect love says I'll never remember your sins again. That's perspective. And number three, perfect love says I will never leave you or forsake you. That's presence. That's God's presence. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I like what it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five in the in the Amplified Bible. It says, make your character free from the love. Let your character be free from the love of money. How? He says, by being satisfied with your present circumstances, with what you have for he, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down. I will not relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. You think there's some certainty to that scripture? You think there's some certainty to what God is trying to say? Oh, yeah. He's saying, I will not. I will not. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not relax my hold on you. That's God's love for you. You see, God's perfect love, it gives you three things. It says God's perfect love is defined by these three things. I will never break my promise to you. I will never remember your sins again, and I will never leave you or forsake you. But when you believe that in your life today, fear will leave your life. Perfect love casts out fear. Let's believe those things today. You say, well, is God with me? Is God is God's presence actually with me? Yes, he'll never leave you or forsake you. You say, well, where is God's presence? You see God's presence. I'll talk about this another day. But God, one part of God's presence is his indwelling presence. He lives inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's never going to leave you. He lives inside of you. You're his and he's yours and he's never leaving you and he's never forsaking you. Believe that today. 
and fear will be banished. Can we pray together? And then can we join back together? Can we commit to come together every time Sundays and Wednesdays? Now I'm online every day live right around noonish to minister to you and um, just to take five or 10 minutes, 15 minutes sometimes just to for the word of the day, our daily bread. I'm reading out of one of my books, 30 days of rest. I'm just encouraging, inspiring people how to have peace and rest, and freedom from anxiety and fear in these days. But I want to pray with you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for a revelation of your perfect love that casts out fear, your perfect love that says you'll never break your promise to us. Give every person watching right now, every person online, a revelation of your love, of your perfect love, Lord. You'll never break your promise. You'll never remember our sins. You'll never leave us, nor will you ever forsake us in Jesus name. Amen. We'll breathe easy today. Let everything that has breath praise him. Use your breath to praise God and healing is going to flow in your lungs. If you've been sick, healing is going to flow. If you've been tired, healing is going to flow. If you've been anxious, healing is going to flow. Let everything that has breath praise him. Give him praise. Give him thanks. That's what we were born to do. I love you guys. Thanks for joining me today. See you Wednesday. Thank you so much. God bless. Call us if you need anything. Come out and get our food. Take advantage of our food pantry if you need it. We're here for you. God bless.